Emerging writers, welcome. We're so glad that you could join us as we continue delving into the fantasy genre this month. My name is Stephanie, and I'm joined by my best friend Kayla and my sister Jordan. Hello. Hi. Today we'll be talking about high fantasy and the particulars of the sub subgenre from tropes to book recommendations. Kayla, do you want to get us started on what is typical within high fantasy? Absolutely. With high fantasy, you're going to see a lot of different things, but it really boils down to it being a world far removed from Earth. It is its own world in creation with a history and geography, classes, cultures, religions that are all going to be different than what we experience in our world. And oftentimes it has a very European medieval flavor in large part due to Lord of the Rings being such a popular and early example of this. But you can also see it in Narnia and Game of Thrones. And so those are all really classic examples of what you think of when you think of high fantasy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in high fantasy, uh, you'll have a lot of the world building that we mentioned is pretty typical within the fantasy genre. Uh, in, in urban fantasy, it's since it's going to be set more in the modern world, you don't have to worry about it. But high fantasy, epic fantasy, heroic fantasy, those sorts of things, it's going to be fully its own thing and you'll have to spend a lot of time figuring out what your world is deciding on the rules for it and what the laws are and just making everything up if you're interested in hearing a little bit more about all of what goes into creating your world we do have an episode on that in our previous season but moving on it's usually set in the medieval setting it's going to have mythical creatures and powers and tools and weapons and stuff like that. Basically, when people think of fantasy as a whole, usually what's going to come to mind is high fantasy. I think it's the most prolific and most well-known subgenre of fantasy, for sure. And I think that it's just so different than a lot of the other more realistic genres the high fantasy is t so different and takes you out of the world. I think it's very distinctive and like leaves a mark. Mm -hmm. I think oftentimes the high fantasy stories that leave the most impact on me are ones that step away from the Tolkien Lord of the Rings built world of elves and orcs and medieval kind of European settings. And one example that comes to mind is Avatar The Last Airbender, the animated series, mm -hmm. which is high fantasy, but it doesn't have any of those traditional creatures. It has people who are elemental benders and weird mashup animals and a very uh, Japanese-inspired fantasy world. And so it's entirely possible to be deep in the subgenre of high fantasy and to step away from those more common worlds. It's just less what people think of immediately with the subgenre. Mm -hmm. Another that's done well by those same creators is The Dragon Prince. And it's mm. on Netflix. It's a cartoon. It's a really well done fantasy where it takes a whole world. And there's elves in it, but it's not quite the same it's a feel as like Lord of the Rings type stuff. It's a reimagining of them. Yeah. They all have Scottish accents for one. Oh. Yeah. 
I you didn't know that. I haven't watched this yet, and I didn't know that. It's cool. And there's multiple kinds of elves, so it's not just so homogenous like a lot of the things are. There's different types of elves and different races of people. So it's kind of an interesting take on it. They also handle diversity a lot better than most fantasy things do. They totally do. Um, There's two gay queens. Oh. And... uh, one of character who's a main who's a, like the leader of the army and it's a woman oh yeah i should watch this you'd like it yeah as stephanie has been telling me for weeks months <laughs> months months it's like we don't probably trust almost a year <laughs> i just recommend things to jordan at this point because she likes so much of them whereas with steph like you and me are picky in opposite ways yeah, yeah. it's hard to find stuff that we can all agree on I definitely tend to come off as a bit of a, a snob. Yeah, I don't watch <laughs> movies with Steph either anymore. <laughs> I am critical, but it's it's in a very, I guess, factual way. Like, I'll point out something that I think wasn't done well, but that acknowledgement doesn't necessarily color my overall opinion of the thing. So I can enjoy something and then also recognize, well, there were a lot of glaring flaws with it. Yeah, I am not that way. I generally like a thing and I don't say bad things about it because I love it and it's my little child. I, <laughs> sorry, that's okay. I can pick things apart a little bit, but if I get into it enough, I'm like, I don't care how many flaws it has. I will see this through to the bitter end and I will see it through in five business days. <laughs> <laughs> So I get really obsessive about stuff. So I will burn through a whole series of like a show or a book really quickly. And then afterwards, I'll be like, you know what? That wasn't very good. (laughs) But during, we're not going to discuss those flaws. (laughs) During it, I'll be like, I just read 300 pages of this in the last 24 hours. And I love it. And I will die for it. But afterwards, I'll be like, actually, no, here's all the things that are wrong. I think it's really nice when you find something, especially in fantasy, because it's so deep and so richly cultured that it's fun when you can find something you can delve into like that and really get obsessed with and get yourself immersed in the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kind of moving back to Dragon Prince. It was really cool to see how they designed their world and then handled all of the different diversity things that they were trying to. Mm-hmm. Because as we've mentioned before, it's your world and you get to handle it however you want. So things that are issues in our world don't need to be issues in other worlds. Yeah. And they weren't in that show because mm-hmm. there was no question about the gay queens or the commander who couldn't hear and her soldiers learned sign language and they just communicated with her the way she could communicate. That mm-hmm. reminds me a little bit about their other show, Avatar The Last Airbender, uh, Tough, I think, was yeah. the earthbender who was blind, but because she could sense things through the earth, it, it wasn't a disability in the same way. And it's it's really interesting and impressive when shows take the time to do that, and you just don't see it all the time with fantasy. Mm-hmm. So when creating your world... I think it's important to keep in mind what sort of topics are important to you and figure out how to fit them into your world and figure out how they fit into your world 
because they might fit in differently than they do here. And one of the awesome things about fantasy and high fantasy in general is that you have that creative control because the sky is the limit. Your imagination can take you anywhere and high fantasy is where you are given the permission to do that as long as you tell us in a way that makes it feel like this place could actually exist. So the laws that you create fit together and the world works within those laws that you create. And I think it's important too that you don't have to dive deep into every problem or bit of representation, but to at least have like a line or two here or there that gives a little bit of a hint on how your world deals with that. And then to really dive deep on a couple of topics that are important to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. It's a great way to showcase how you can creatively solve some of the issues we have and even turn them into non-issues. Yeah, fantasy has a really unique position in that it can be used to make some pretty strong stands on things by placing these opinions in a world where they're shown as okay, or maybe by subversively making comments about things. Like Alice in Wonderland makes some comments about royalty mm. that if C.S. Lewis had just come out and said, could have gotten him into a lot of trouble. But because he hid it within a story and a, a fictional world and like a, a crazy fantasy world, he was able to make these like jabs and claims basically without it seeming as overt. It's true. Some of the typical staples within the subgenre, a lot of them we've previously mentioned because as I said before, when people think of fantasy, they tend to think of high fantasy. So things that are pretty typical to find uh, within this subgenre are going to be like those group character tropes where they're pretty specialized. One of them is usually good at one thing. One of them's an elf boy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> can't can't Call out. drop that. <laughs> uh, anyway, you'll have those fantasy creatures, dragons, orcs. Um, fantasy creatures you're probably going to find in almost all all forms of fantasy writing, mm -hmm. but there are some that are more typical to certain genres than others. Yes. You might see werewolves in high fantasy, but you're more likely to see it in urban fantasy, just like you're less likely to see orcs in urban, but probably you will in epic. All my brain can think about is someday I'm going to write a short story with a useless elf boy and I'm going to shove it in Stephanie's face. <laughs> and then I'm just like, goodness. <laughs> Uh, with those fantasy creatures, you'll usually have uh, different races that are made up of these creatures a lot of times, like elves and orcs and giants and what have you, and it's usually black or white within the morality and also within the makeup of these races. And you'll definitely, a lot of the times, see some sort of journey or quest and a chosen mm -hmm. one, and there's definitely <laughs> going to be magic. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many fantasy books where they're out on the road doing some sort of quest or adventure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of where the whole hero's journey story arc, mm -hmm. you know, stems from. It's yeah. in a lot of fantasy. Yeah, I really enjoy fantasy that can stick to a city or stick to like even a smaller dynamic than that. 
and keep this like contained environment story because mm-hmm. I just see it a little bit less often. Yeah. That would be very interesting, kind of exploring more of the culture of a certain group of people rather than the entire world or multiples. Mm-hmm. It would be interesting and a fun look. Not uncommon, but not necessarily a like more constant staple are political schemes. You'll see that a lot, especially when they do kind of keep within a more confined space if they're not going on an active across country <laughs> across country trek then there probably are going to be some political schemes going on and romance you'll usually find Drawn but it's out romance yeah it's typically it's a sub subplot romance yeah <laughs> it, it's handled way differently than uh, like a, a romance other, book yeah. or an urban fantasy book yep. yeah all of it I personally prefer my romance to not take the center stage, but I don't mind it to be important to the plot in its own way. I just want to see them get together. Or I want to very, very angrily and strongly not see that happen, (laughs) depending on how I feel about the romantic leads. Yeah. I do feel like in high fantasy, oftentimes I just won't like the romantic interest. Like, a higher ratio of me disliking the romantic interests than any other genre. Yeah, for sure. I Probably it's pretty clear that high fantasy is my sub-genre genre of choice. <laughs> um, it's what introduced me to my love of history in general and fiction as a whole, I feel like. So a couple of my personal recommendations for people, uh, and, and these are all... They're all pretty different, and none of them are like Green Rider, which I have also many times previously <laughs> recommended. So the first one on my list is The Language of Thorns by Leigh Bardugo. Um, it's basically a collection of fairy tales. So she's taken a lot of ours and reinterpret them to fit her world of fiction. And I haven't actually read any of her main series stuff, but... There's beautiful illustrations within this book that progress throughout the pages to where you end the fairy tale story with this just expansive illustration. And it's so pretty. And the stories themselves are really well done. They feel like authentic fantasy stories with those weird, strange morals that that uh, fairy tales usually seem to have. (laughs) My next recommendation would be Howl's Moving Castle by Diana Wynne-Jones. There is a movie adaptation by Studio Ghibli, but it's significantly different from the book in a lot of ways. Uh, First of all, the book is more centered towards young adults and the movie is definitely for children. So Mm -hmm. there are some elements that had to be taken out. Um, It takes some more interesting uh, routes, I would say, and feels a little bit more satisfying in its conclusion than the movie does. I do love the movie and I love Studio Ghibli, but the movie adaptation always left me wanting for more, like something Mm -hmm. was missing. And I would say if anyone else loves the movie or also felt that way at the end, then they should definitely check out the book because it's really, really good. I guess for people who don't know what the story is, the main character is a young girl named Sophie who gets cursed by the Wicked Witch of the Waste. And she gets turned into an old woman 
she runs away from home and ends up becoming the cleaning lady for uh, a wizard howl who is notorious for stealing young girls' hearts. <laughs> and basically the story is him running away from responsibilities and her changing him for the better and eventually getting spells broken. I really adore the movie and I've been meaning to read the book for a long time because you have said several times that it's better. I haven't seen or read it, but it sounds like something I'd be interested in. It's really fun and the romance is very cute in the book. Mm. It feels very organically progressed, I guess. My final recommendation would be Poison Study by Maria V. Snyder. Um, I have read the whole series, but I personally mainly recommend the first book. It stands very well on its own, but it does progress fairly nicely throughout the series. Um, so the main character is a girl named Yelena, and she lives in a world where this like emperor basically has united the area, and there are certain very strict laws, including no killing. And you find our character in prison on death row about to be put to death because she was involved in the death of someone else. It was an accident, but it's a very strict no killing law. So like even accidental deaths lead to mm, you being convicted. Lead to more killing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but she gets a second chance by being offered to become the official royal food taster. Mm. And so she tastes all the foods to make sure they're not poisoned. And the story progresses with her getting training on how to detect poisons. And if she does taste something and it's poison, she'll know what to yell out so that they can like maybe track down who tried to kill him or whatever. And um, she like figures out this magic stuff that's kind of going on. And it's just a really mm. great story. And I really enjoyed the romantic subplot that gets kind of thrown in there. And uh, yeah. Romantic subplot, you say? <laughs> it's your very typical first book of a series romance subplot, though. Uh, Nothing happens until the end. Mm, yes. I'm going to have to start getting used to that. And while we're on the topic of fantasy books, uh, at the end of the month, our last episode for the month, we'll be discussing Mistborn. We all three have decided to read it, and so we'll be going over what sort of things we noticed in it, what we liked, what stood out to us. So if you want to read it with us and join us in that discussion, uh, feel free to. But overall, high fantasy is probably what comes to mind for the average person when someone mentions fantasy at all, as we mentioned before. And thanks to J.R. Tolkien, the typical high fantasy world is littered with very specific tropes of magic and dwarves and elves and, and stuff like that, mystical objects and world-saving journeys. There are, of course, other subgenres that are similar. Like I mentioned before, there's heroic fantasy. But we hope that this short overall was informative and interesting. Let us know what aspects of high fantasy you love and which tropes you wish would die <laughs> <laughs> by joining us on our Facebook group, Writers Emerging, or follow us on Tumblr, Instagram, and Twitter. We look forward to seeing you next week as we explore high fantasy's cousin, urban fantasy. <laughs>